Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. In just a moment, Pastor Jeff will be sharing an uplifting and encouraging message that we pray will inspire you in your walk with God. Our desire at MOF PHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that He will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. Well, go ahead and get to the Word of God. And if you have your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Title of my message today is The Path of the Prodigal. The Path of the Prodigal. Luke, chapter 15, is a very well known uh, chapter in Luke's Gospel three powerful stories there that Jesus shares. If you're familiar with Luke chapter 15, you would know there's the story that Jesus shares. It's the story of the the lost sheep and the lost coin, and then there's the lost son. And today I want to talk to you from the lost son, the story of the lost son. Now Jesus is sharing these three stories with the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees. They were criticizing Jesus because Jesus was associating himself with notorious sinners of his day and social outcasts of his day. And in that criticism, Jesus replies back to them with a rebuke. And he's letting them know through these three stories his love for the sinner and his rebuke to those that are self-righteous. And so he shares these three stories, and I want to read to you Luke 15, starting in verse 11, several passages here, and I debated on whether to read them all or not, but I feel led to read them. And so if you have your Bibles, follow along with me. This is the parable of the lost son, the the path of the prodigal. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast 
For this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. And meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother's back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. And the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and God, we just ask, God, that you would bless the preaching of your word. God, there would be an anointing here today, God, to speak to the hearts of people. And God, that you would touch us and move us to draw nearer to you. And I thank you for this opportunity and the calling to be able to declare and proclaim your good news. In Jesus' name, amen. The path of the prodigal. This right here is a powerful story that Jesus shares in a lot of different ways. I've preached probably three or four different messages from this passage before. But one of the things that God has showed me here today for us while we're gathered here is reminding us that this is a story of a family, but it's not a perfect family. How many of you live in a perfect family? You don't need to raise your hand because we all have our imperfections. There's, I've learned real quick that there's no perfect family. Can you say amen? amen? This is a story about an imperfect family. This is a story about failures and flaws. This is a story about forgiveness and love and grace and mercy. It's really a story that really encapsulates the whole Bible, a story of corruption, redemption, and restoration. I want you to know that the main theme of everything that you read in this story here could be summed up in this one statement, that the path of the prodigal is a reminder that we can find forgiveness in life's failures. There is forgiveness in life's failures. How many of you this morning are thankful for forgiveness? There is forgiveness in life's failures. That's the theme running through this story that Jesus shared. It's a path that we take. The path of the prodigal is a path that we can all take. How many of you know we all go down different paths in life? All of us end up going down different paths and if we're honest with ourselves and mostly honest before God, we could admit today that we've all gone down the wrong path before in life. You don't have to raise your hand and say, that's me, because I know all of us at times have drifted down the wrong path. And what's sad is the day that we live in right now with the things that are being promoted and pushed on us, it's easy it's easier now than it's ever been, I believe, to end up on the wrong path, going the wrong way. Now, I read a story recently about a guy. You may have heard of him. His name is the 
we, they call him Wrong Way Roy. Wrong Way Roy. His name is Roy Riggles. Roy Riggles played football and he played in the Rose Bowl in 1929 for the University of California. Roy is known for one of the most famous mistakes in football history. In the Rose Bowl, Roy was playing in that game and there was a fumble on the field and Roy picked up the ball and he ran 60 yards in the wrong direction. He ran 60 yards in the wrong direction before his own teammate tackled him. That sounds like something I would have done right there. He ran in the wrong direction. And you know, we laugh about Roy running in the wrong direction, but if we're not careful, we can be like Roy and we can run in the wrong direction too. We can find ourselves running in the wrong direction. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're here on campus and or maybe you were watching through the live stream and, and you're running the wrong way in life. Maybe spiritually right now, you know on the inside you're running the wrong way and you can see a collision about to happen. Or maybe you've been running the wrong way and you've already wrecked some things in your life by some of the choices and the paths that you decided to walk on. It doesn't matter to me whether you've wrecked things or you're about to wreck things. Here's the good news. The good news, like the prodigal son who traveled down the wrong path, but in the end, he found his way back to a loving and forgiving father that can restore him and put things back together. So the encouragement for you today is no matter who you are, whether you're lost, whether you've been rejected, whether you've wrecked your life, no matter uh, how humiliated you may feel because of the things that you've done, no matter how embarrassed you may feel like Roy did, no matter how worthless you feel, friend, Jesus Christ, he can give you a new beginning. He can give you a new start. He can save you. He can give you a new life. There is help with Jesus. There's hope with Jesus. There's healing with Jesus. He can turn it around. Amen. He can do it. And more than anything, we can find forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Even in our life's failures, there is forgiveness. There's hope. There's healing. And I want you to notice with me real quick this morning, I want you to notice these paths that this prodigal son decided to walk on. The very first path that he chose was the path, it's a distant path, a distant path. Verse 13 says that the younger son, he got together all that he had and he went off to a distant land and there he wasted his wealth in mild living. This prodigal son took the distant path at a crossroads in his life. And I know when I read this story and when you read this story, how could somebody that's so blessed has wealth around them, has a father in his home, a good family, how could somebody decide to just walk away and end up on a distant path? Well, before we point our fingers at him and before we cast stones at him, I would say to you again that we have all, we have all took that distant path before in our life. I don't care who you are. You can, you can try to play holy all you want, but we all have taken that path and what I mean by that is we take that distant path when we tell God that we don't want him to be Lord over our life. We want him to be Savior over our life, but not Lord over our life. So you know what, Lord, you can be my, uh, Jesus, you can be my Savior, but I don't want to live under your roof anymore. Uh, I'll, you can keep me saved, and I'm going to live for you like that, but don't be Lord uh, of my life. And what I mean by that is God may be telling you to do some things, and you refuse to obey him. That is living in a dist on a distant path. When God is speaking to your heart 
and he's telling you to do some things and you disobey him, what you're doing is you're traveling down a distant path. When we take a distant path, we do that when we reject his authority over our life. We take the distant path when we rebel against his will for our life. We take the distant path when we, when we, uh, reckless, we live recklessly with our life and, and we don't live righteously for him. Friend, we all take the distant path. I don't care who you are. And this is the thing about it. The distant path, it starts off, we notice here with this young son with a desire to do things your own way. Let me go live life. Let me go check it out. Let me do it on my own. Father, you just, in other words, he was telling his father, you can just die if you want to. I'm going to go do my thing. And so that distant path starts off with a desire to do things your way instead of God's way. The distant path starts off with a desire for you to uh, satisfy your own lustful appetites. The distant path starts off with you wanting your will and not God's will. And before you know it, you end up in a distant land far away from God. And can I tell you this morning, friend, when you find yourself in a distance away from God, that's a dangerous place to be. And the unfortunate truth is many of us have found ourselves on that distant path. We, we never meant to go there, but we're there. We, we never meant to stay there, but we did. And, and, and like the prodigal son, we, we end up wasting our life in wild living. We waste our life in wild living. Now, the Bible uses that word wild living, but it's a Greek word. And that Greek word actually gives a definition. It means this right here. That wild living is the manner of life by which someone destroys himself or herself. It's the manner of life by which someone destroys himself or herself. In other words, it's, it's a series of choices in your life that you make of whether you're going to destroy yourself or not. One other word that could be used for wild living in the Bible here is the undisciplined life. An undisciplined life. Wild living means an undisciplined life, a life with no self-control, and a life that is out of control. And for the prodigal son, the path that he was on, he was out of control. He was out of control. And it all began because of selfishness inside of him, pride, chasing the pleasures of the world. And guess where it ended up? It ended up being a disgraceful place and a destructive place. And I will tell you this this morning, wild living will lead to a wasted life. Wild living will lead to a wasted life. And I know when you hear the words wild living, you think to the extreme, but it's not necessarily to the extreme. It's just an undisciplined life spiritually. It's an out-of-control life, a life with no self-control. And that life, that uh, wild living, will lead to a wasted life. It may not be your wealth that is wasted, but it might be your testimony or your reputation that's wasted. It may not be your wealth that is wrecked, but it might be your family that has been wrecked. It may not be your uh, wealth that was lost, but it, it might be a job that was lost. It might be children that were lost. I spoke to a lady over the weekend who, who lost her children because of a heroin addiction. Friend, it might be that you've lost a job. It might be that you've lost and wasted away uh, that opportunity to have with your children. It could be that you've uh, trust has been lost in a relationship the distant path can cause you listen to me please the distant path can cause you to do things you never thought you would do I mean you swore them down you'd never go down a path like that you can never see yourself going down a path like that but that path will make you do things you never thought you would do 
In fact, he found himself in a pig pen eating pig slop. A distant path will cause you to do things you never thought you would do. Maybe steal from your employer, be unfaithful in your marriage. The distant path can cause you to take a paycheck and use it on drugs and alcohol instead of supporting your family. The distant path can cause you to hurt and neglect the very people that love and care for you the most. The distant path friend will leave you lonely and will leave you empty and the distant path will leave you feeling broken and shameful and worthless and fearful and hopeless that's what the distant path will do to you and we ask ourselves this question I'm thinking when you read this story why would somebody so blessed that has it all together why would somebody choose when they know what the result's going to be why would they choose to walk down the distant path well, I would offer to you three things that I believe cause people to walk down that distant path. There are three S's. Forgive me for the last one. The first one is, I believe they're lured by Satan. Satan is one. Sin is another. And the third one is stupidity. Stupidity. People are lured in by, by Satan. They're lured in by the... Uh, the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season but it eventually leads to destruction they're lured in by sin and sometimes we can't even blame Satan and we can't even blame sin we just need to blame that we've made some dumb decisions in our life I know I have Romans 8 7 says this the sinful mind is hostile to God it does not submit to God's law nor can it do so those controlled by the sinful nature they cannot please God People will take the distant path trying to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And the Bible says that people will be swayed by all kinds of evil desires in the last day. And how many of you know we're seeing that today? People that are seeking to satisfy the cravings of their flesh instead of satisfying the Spirit of God. We're, we're, we're tempted to always... Uh, be drawn into this story thinking it's going to be some young person that's living a wild life but that's not what this story is about please hear me it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter if you're, if you're uh, 16 or 67 it doesn't matter who you are friend all of us can find ourselves on the distant path I've seen pastors on it I've seen Christian leaders on it I've seen people that have been rock solid go on to the distant path that anybody and everybody has a target on their back and if you're not careful and you let your guard down and you let Satan and sin lure you in you can find yourself on the distant path away from God and that's a dangerous place. We all fall to that temptation to drift down that path, that distant path. In fact, Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 53, 6. He says, we all like sheep have gone astray and each of us have turned to his own way. All of us have the potential to go astray. And this son went astray, and we have the potential to drift and go astray. And I ask you this morning, are you on a distant path, drifting away from God? If so, you need to reroute, and you need to get on the right path, and that's the next path that the prodigal took, and that's the path, the turnaround path, the turnaround path. Verse 20 says that he got up and he went to his father. The turnaround path is a decision to get up and go in a different direction. 
That's a picture of repentance, to get up and go in a different direction. We need to repent of our sin, and we need to go in a different direction. Luke chapter 13 says this. Jesus was speaking. He says, unless you repent, you too will perish. Acts 3.19 says, repent, then turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repentance involves getting up and going toward God. Getting up and going toward God. The Bible says here in these passages that this young man, he came to his senses. How do you come to your senses? Some of us need to be slapped upside of the head. <laughs> Lord, help us. Now, he's back there looking at somebody. Lord, help. Forgive that man. How do we come to our senses? Well, we see here how we come to our senses because he began admitting some things in his life. He began... He began confessing some things in his life. He said, you know what? My, my father has a farm with servants on it and they, they have food to eat and they have food that's left over. He's, he's starting to see some things and admit some things and then here we go. He has this confession and says, you know what? I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to tell him that I have sinned against heaven and against him. You see, honesty and confession they are involved in repentance. If you're going to get up and go in a different direction, it's going to be because you've made a decision that you're going to confess your sins to the Father and you're going to get up and you're going to go back to Him so He can forgive you and restore you. Jesus, listen, no matter what road you traveled on, no matter the path that you've been on, it's not too late to turn around and make things right with the Lord. Amen. Jesus is ready to forgive you. In fact, 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Jesus wants to turn it around. He wants to forgive you of your sins. And if you're going to live that life that God is destined for you, purpose for you, then it's going to take you making a confession, getting up, leaving the distant land, and going back to a loving and forgiving father. But it's going to start by being honest and confessing your sins and then getting back up and going back to God. That is repentance. Listen to me, please. Coming to your senses does you no good if you're not willing to confess and be honest and make a turnaround. Godly, repent, godly sorrow leads to repentance. Coming to your senses is going to do you no good unless you repent and go back to the Father. And the Bible says these words here, that he got up. He got up. That's actually one Greek word that describes three words in the Greek. That Greek word there is the same word they use when it says he got up is the same word that's used for resurrection. In other words, the prodigal son was resurrected. He was resurrected. When he, when he got up, he, was, he had a resurrected life. It was a new life. And friend, getting up is powerful and getting up can change everything. Getting up can be the difference between life and death. Getting up can be the difference between a divorce and restoring your marriage. Getting up can be the difference between struggling with an addiction and freedom. 
Getting up can be the difference between giving in to peer pressure and staying away from the very stuff that you swore you would never get involved in. Getting up can be the difference between holding on to a, a hurt or a grudge that is causing you bitterness and eating away at you or forgiving somebody and letting it go so you can have peace and you can have joy about the situation. Getting up is powerful. Getting up is uh, most of all about a resurrected life. Because the father said here, don't forget what he said. The father said, for this son of mine was dead, but now he's alive again. Listen, friend, what you thought has died, what seems to have no life to it no more, Jesus can resurrect it again. He can bring life to it again. He can bring life to your body physically again, spiritually. He can do it for the relationships that you're involved in. Listen, there's always chance for a resurrected life with Jesus Christ. There's always a chance for, uh, to get on the turnaround path. As long as you're breathing, there's a chance for you to turn your life over to Jesus Christ. As long as you're breathing. And that turnaround path, when you repent and turn it all over to the Lord and He resurrects your life, then He puts you on a new path and it's a path of restoration. You see, Jesus can resurrect you and Jesus can restore you. He can, re he can resurrect your life and He can restore your life. Does anybody have a, a restoration story in your life? You know that the Lord's put some things back together. He's put it all back together for you. No matter how far you've traveled in the distant land, God's grace is greater. Where sin abounds, the Bible says grace abounds more. I mean, think about this. This son has squandered it all on wild living. Spent it all. The elder son said that he spent it on women. He spent it on prostitutes. And he's coming back home and there's a father there that's waiting for him that actually runs to him and he's not running to punish him and he's not running with judgment and he's not running with anger. He's running with a loving embrace and he kisses him and he forgives him and he clothes him with a righteous robe. He puts a, a, a ring of sonship on him and puts sandals of peace back on him. God restores him and God can restore you today too. He can do it for you. His grace abounds more. His love abounds more. His love is greater. His mercy is greater. Aren't you thankful that God's mercies are new every day? He's waiting for you. Some of you walked in this morning and watching through the live stream and he's waiting for you to get up and, and turn back to him so he can put that robe of righteousness on you, so he can put that ring of uh, sonship on you and those sandals of peace back on you. He's looking to restore you. The Bible says that anyone that is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Jesus, listen, he specializes in wrecked lives. He can take a wrecked life and he can restore it. He can take a wrecked situation and he can turn it around. And he wants to do that for you today. In the name of Jesus, I declare it will be done. He wants to save you from your sins so he can celebrate your new life. You know what the Lord wants to do for you like he did here in this story? He wants to lavish his grace on you, his mercy on you, his peace on you, his love on you. He wants, to, he wants to lavish all that on you. And it doesn't matter how far down that path you have traveled. He's waiting for you to come home. He's waiting for some of you this morning to come home. You know, we had about seven people that came home to Jesus this morning in that first service. And I'm believing for more to do it here in this service. Listen. He's waiting for you to come home. He's looking off in distance and he's looking for you and he's not looking with anger. 
He's not looking with judgment. He's looking with grace and mercy. He's looking with love. Listen, he's patient with you. He doesn't give up on you. Aren't you thankful that he doesn't give up on you? When you're in that distant land, excuse me, he's not going to give up on you. Man may give up on you, but the Lord's not going to give up on you. He doesn't get tired of waiting on you. He's just waiting for you to make one move back to him, and he's going to run to meet you, and he's going to embrace you and forgive you and, and, and make you his child and restore you and give back what the enemy has stole from you. I'm thankful today that the God we serve is the father of restoration. He puts things back together. If the guys want to come and go ahead and come forward and play that keyboard and the singers want to come, I'm going to move into a time of prayer here. Let me ask you this question before we pray. I wonder how many people here this morning if they would be honest they've been running the wrong way running the wrong way spiritually and the Lord's speaking to you today in this message and telling you it's time for you to make a turnaround come off the distant path and make a turnaround in your life and give your life to Jesus listen to me Jesus is the only one that can save you he's the only one that can save you it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that our sins are forgiven Jesus is the only one that can save you. He's the only one that can resurrect you. He's the only one that can restore you. Jesus is the only one that can do it. You can search for a therapist, and I'm not against anybody seeing a therapist or seeing a counselor or whatever. All that's great and all that's fine. But Jesus, through his blood, he's the only one that can forgive you of your sins. He's the only one that can save you. He's the only one that can turn your life around. He's the only one that can speak and resurrect that situation you're in. Jesus is. He's the only one. And I'm living testimony of that and many of you are as well and I want to just say to some of you here this morning you know it took that guy he was in the pig pen I call that the rock bottom for him we use that term in the recovery ministry rock bottom when somebody hits rock bottom when you get to rock bottom you have nowhere but to look up he's in the pig pen and that was his rock bottom you know what's something I've learned everybody has a different pig pen Everybody has a different pig pen. But my encouragement to you this morning is don't, don't wait and hit rock bottom before you call on the Lord. I mean, this is an opportunity for you right now. You, you may be on that distant path and, and you may not have wrecked things yet, but I promise you, if you stay on that path, you're going to wreck things. Go ahead and give your life to Jesus Christ. Get up and go back to the Lord and make peace with Him because there is forgiveness in the failures in our life through Jesus Christ. Now what I didn't tell you earlier about Roy Riggles, the guy who picked up the football in the Rose Bowl and ran 60 yards the wrong way, what I didn't tell you about him is the team that was in the first half. They went in at halftime and the whole team was embarrassed and humiliated. I mean, just imagine the Rose Bowl 
and one player runs backwards the wrong way. And they feel defeated and they're humiliated. And when they get ready to go back out for the second half, the coach looks to the team and says, the same lineup in the first half is going to play in the second half. And all the team came running out, the ones that were going to be starting, and they ran out on, onto the field for the second half, except for one player. He didn't go. And that was Roy. Roy was on the sideline. He looked to his coach. He said, Coach, I'm not going back out there. I feel humiliated for what I did. And the words that his coach gave to him, he said, Roy, that was the first half. This is the second half. And you got to get back in the game. And the Lord dropped something on my heart. But the preacher kicks in. And the Lord just wanted me to tell somebody today, your first half may not have been the best half. You may have made some mistakes in the first half. You may have ran the wrong way in the first half. But the first half's over with. And now it's the second half. And it's how you finish is what matters. And the Lord is saying to you today, friend, listen, just let it all go. Get up and go back to the Father. It's the second half. And you got a game to play. And it's time for you to draw back and come near to the Lord and get things right with Him. This is a second half opportunity for some of you that are here today for you to make things right with the Lord. Man, I'll be the first to tell you right now, there's been a lot of flaws and failures in the first half. When I said something earlier about Satan and sin and stupidity, I mean, I'm just talking about my own walk. I know what I've, I know how I've been deceived and, and I know things in the past in my own life. But friend, it can all turn around today. It can all turn around today if you'll just get up, make that decision to confess your sins to the Lord and let Him res resurrect you and let Him restore you. It can all change right here in this moment. Would you bow your heads and let us pray? Nobody looking around. I'm asking every Christian to pray, please. Friend, if you've walked in here this morning, or even maybe you're watching through the live stream, and you have had plenty of failures and flaws, and you've ran the wrong way many times in the first half, and you feel humiliated, you feel worthless, you feel rejected, you feel fearful and hopeless because of what sin and Satan has done in your life. And God is speaking to you right now through this word that's being preached. And you've been offered a new chance of resurrected life, a restored life. Friend, it's a second half opportunity for you to turn your life over to Jesus Christ. To live for Him. Surrendered completely to Him. Whether it's for the very first time you're making a decision or maybe you've drifted away and you're, made, you're ready to recommit your life to Christ. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. But if you're here this morning and you feel that, that nudge in your heart through the power and work of the Holy Spirit that you would say yes to Jesus so you can know heaven is in your future and that you're saved from your sins through a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're ready to repent put your faith in Him I want you to do me a favor and lift your hand real high and say that's me 
pray for me. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. Is there any others? Any others? God bless you, sir. I want to be sure heaven's in my future. And I want you to pray for me. God bless you, sir. Thank God bless you, ma'am. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest with the Lord. You can put your hands down. Christians, keep praying. Keep praying. You can, those that lifted your hands, or maybe you didn't lift your hands, you can pray a prayer like this. Father, I come to you confessing my sins. I confess, Jesus, that you are Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And I know through your word that is eternal that I will live forever. I admit to you I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. So today I make a decision to turn my life over to you, Christ. I repent. I turn. I'm making a decision to get up and go back to you, Lord. I have drifted and drifted down this distant path. But today there is a turnaround. And I'm believing you, Jesus, to restore. Restore me spiritually. Restore what the enemy has stolen from me. Put it back together, God, for your glory. Lord, I trust you right now. I thank you that heaven is in my future. I thank you that my sins are washed away through your blood. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty grave. Thank you for the promise of heaven. And now, Lord, I surrender it all to you. I give you my life. Now turn it around for your glory. Turn it around.